Hello, this is Daryl here, sending love as always. Thank you for tuning in. I just want to say, if you like this interview, you can check our website for companion workbooks, action guides, tools, checklists, templates, and show notes with links for everything mentioned on the call. Just visit bestbusinesscoach.ca. That's best, B-E-S-T, businesscoach.ca. Enjoy. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us. My name is Daryl Urbanski, your host, as always. Today, we are joined by Dan Foote, the CEO of Dantech Services, Anchorage's leading IT solutions provider. With a mantra of computers under control, Dan has been the guiding force behind businesses staying secure and efficient since 2005. His expertise isn't just about fixing IT issues. It's about proactive protection, ensuring 100% defense against ransomware, and championing business continuity. A renowned author, public speaker, and a client-centric business owner, Dan's approach is all about personalized IT that truly works for you. I've asked him to join us here today to share his story and insights into the future of IT and staying safe in an online world. So Dan, thank you so much for joining us, my friend. How are you doing? I'm good, Daryl, and thank you for the invite. This is really a pleasure. But I will say, let's back up one step. There is no 100% in IT security. So I appreciate the the plaudits, but there is no 100% in IT security. It's just a metric that has not been met by anybody. Everybody is under the potential for being attacked, hacked, compromised, breached, and taken advantage of. And it can come in from all forms in this world. Yeah, fair enough. And I, I meant to say that, like you said at the before we hit record, the goal is 100%. And I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, it's almost like a, ho- a home break-in. You can lock your front door, but if somebody really wants to try and get in, there's so many windows and nooks and crannies and vents that they might start poking and prodding at, that unless you have a real fortress, for the average home, it might not be as secure as people think. Is that a fair statement? I think that's a very fair statement. I think Edgar Allan Poe had a some kind of book about that at one point in his career. It's true. There are all kinds of ways to get around defenses, whether they're proactive or not. Uh, there's this. The challenge is trying to at least stay current and proactive in how you protect your clients. It's something that we've worked hard at uh, doing. I could turn around in five minutes and find out that somebody got hit hard. And that would be pretty tragic. Yeah, fair enough. Now, before we get into this, because I actually just, I'm a writer downer. You saw I was writing down. I got like questions I want to ask around this. But before we get too far, how did you even get into this? First off, IT and running your own business. Is this, is, do you come from a family of entrepreneurs? No, let's see. My, my dad was a contractor in the Seattle area way back decades ago. So last century. And except that there was a point in the mid-60s when I was still a young boy, uh, there was a point in the mid-60s in Seattle where a very famous billboard was put up along Aurora Avenue that said, well, the last person that leaves Seattle, turn out the lights. The (laughs) job market was dismal. It was as bad then as anything that happened in 2008 through 2011 um, for a short, shorter period of time, but it was pretty bad. And so he came up to Alaska and worked up here for other companies. But for a few years, he was his own contractor in Seattle. This is my third company, I think. Used to do building repair and maintenance and such 
got tired of climbing under toilets. I went to school for the IT industry, got a degree in IT network management, and that was at the end of the last century, very end of the century. Stepped into the world of IT from there, worked for a company where for five years, the group that we were with, we did some very engaging and challenging services to our clients. And we we were pretty much all remote services there. So virtually my whole career in IT has been remote to IT support. Got it. Got it. Got it. So what were some of the biggest challenges that you faced in first off just getting up and running and then uh, and growing? Well, I think I think the biggest challenge for me has always been the going out and knocking on doors, so to speak. That's not my forte. I'm a technician. I've always right. either been a troubleshooter, whether it's working in buildings or when I was in the Coast Guard, all of those fun things. I've always been a troubleshooter. So things that are outside of my comfort zone are always a challenge. The sales process, I don't mind so much, but that uh, getting to the prospects, that's a that's <clears throat> not my wheelhouse. So well, can, you, can you differentiate between those two? For people that maybe aren't aware, what's the difference? Well, mar marketing mm -hmm. is going out and finding the people that are at least willing to sit down and listen to you. I'm just going to put it in as simple terms yeah. as I can. The sales part is once you have that person that'll sit down and listen to you, engage in a conversation and find out what their needs are and how you can go about protecting them. And in this case, because we do IT work, you know, how you go about taking care of them, managing their systems, their users, protecting their data, et cetera. That's the big difference. And the sales is really what drives the business from a fundamental point of view, because you have to, as much as I'd like to just give away services, I still have to live. Right. I have to pay my employees, right? right? You still have to invoice. You still have to do all the things that are sometimes uncomfortable, like, hey, your invoice is overdue. Can we get that caught up? Or maybe it's time that you looked for a different provider because we just don't seem to be meeting eye to eye with your needs and, and what we're capable of doing for you. I love that. I love that. And that's just a very, that's a very real approach. What else? Is there anything else? It's, I've learned a ton over these last few years, both in marketing, the part that I really don't like and the sales part that I'm more tolerant of. But yeah. The, the, for example? I, I found that being involved with mastermind groups is a great way to be able to absorb that information from others that have uh, run into different situations or similar situations, and how did they go about handling them, whether it's client relations or whether it's technical uh, troubleshooting or whether it's a service to provide that uh, has good benefits for a client or a vendor that you want to watch out for that you really might want to shy away from because there's all kinds out there in this world as we yes. both know <clears throat> and being selective and having good relationships with your vendors is just almost as important in some cases as the relationships you have with your clients i think that's incredibly powerful to say because all the companies is a group of people that help another group of people and they do it via a product or service and yeah. the way to be selective is to do enough prospecting, marketing, that you have options. I say that whenever you have to come to the negotiating table, 
you always need to be able to walk away. Otherwise, yes, it's not a absolutely. negotiation. It's not a absolutely. negotiation if you can't walk away. So I love and, that. And some things are negotiable. I had a meeting with a uh, prospect. I presented him with a, a contract. And uh, he came back and said, we'd like this and, and this change. And I said, yeah, we can do that. And then he said, I'd like this paragraph taken out. And I said, no, yeah, that's a, that's a deal killer. I'm sorry. I, I, I can't take that paragraph out. I'm willing to I'm willing to work with our clients. We do it all the time. But there are some things that are protections, not only for our clients, but also for my company as well. Right. And we're a small team. We're a team of five. So we're not a big, large company, but we have done a, an excellent job of taking care of our clients right. through, the, through the years. I, I think that shows us uh, a sign of uh, wisdom and experience is being able to say no. In the beginning, when you're getting started, maybe you say yes to everything you can, but then more and more, you really start to understand what it is that you're doing and what you're capable of and your own strengths and weaknesses. And that's a real, that becomes a powerful thing. Being able to say no is incredibly powerful in a lot of different situations and giving pushback. I, I have yep. a client, I have a client, I almost just let go. I'm not going to go into all the details, but I told the, I had to tell him, listen, if you have constructive criticism and feedback, you're welcome. But belly is what you have a wife for. You're yeah. not, right? That's not what this is. There was nothing in the contract, nothing in the agreement about me being your therapist and, and listening to you bellyache about this stuff. And, and it, like, it's, you talk about relationships and there, there it's an art, not a science to say that there is a line between discourse with people and then just someone trying to come and use you as their emotional punching bag type thing. Right. So the customer's not always right. No, they aren't. And quite honestly, that is, this business is fraught with anxiety. Take somebody's, take a company that relies on email a lot, take that email away or take their internet circuit away, take their data away take their number one producer away and you'll find out how quickly that company can be crippled. Right. I don't need added anxiety because somebody has a bad hair day and maybe right. that's why I just don't have any hair at all, but I, I don't need that. And to me, the quality of the clients that we have, we've got great clients. Right. Um, very seldom do I ever have to have a hard discussion with them. And a couple of them are a little more challenging to deal with, but that's just life. Yeah. Um, yeah. They're still good clients. Yeah. Yeah. If, you, if everybody agreed on everything, we wouldn't have anything left to have a discussion about. 100%. Um, I'm pleased at where we've gotten to and what we're doing and how we go about doing it. And I'm. you asked me earlier before we even started, what am I grateful for? Today, I'm grateful that I have a team that I can rely on that yep. uh, it's my life easier. Yeah. Yeah. That's such an important thing. A reliable team. A lot of this is speaking to community and people skills, right? Community, people skills, and hard work. Because one of the things that was unspoken in what you said is that you said, like, obviously sales you need, right? But right. marketing is precedes sales. So a lot of people I talk to this, I love this as an example. Elon Musk made $300 million pre-selling a car he had no team to build and no factory to help make. So what's your excuse for being broke, right? Like he pre-sold and made $300 million. So why can't you go out there and pre-sell and just get a small down payment from people for the thing that you want to do? And the real issue is, like you say, it's something that not a lot of people do. You talked about 
doing the proactive, I think it was, did I write it down? The proactive outreach, uh, the struggle to knock on doors constantly. That is in some ways a grind. Do you have any tips for how to do that effectively that have worked for you? I've actually, I actually made the decision recently to hire that out and have found a group that actually really impressed me by how they approached me. And because I, in this business, you're inundated with everybody wants to sell you everything all the time. And most of them, it's most of it is just uh, flotsam and jetsam and you just shove it off to the side, right. delete the emails, whatever. But this company did a really good job in how they reached out to me that I gave them a listen to. And then they, they said, well, you just take a look at the contract. And I said, sure. And so I'm looking at this agreement that we have. And there were basically Easter eggs in this agreement that made it very palatable to to stay to agree to bringing them on. And it's also less expensive than hiring on a full-time employee, and I don't have to train them. I'm leveraging what we have done all along with a lot of the vendors that we work with. We leverage their ability to provide us services that we can use for our clients. And that leverage makes us a much bigger team. Mm, I love that. I love that so much. Yeah. So we, I would like to say that we're all rocket scientists here. No, but we have done a really good job of selecting partners to work with, vendors that we work with that raise the level of care that we can provide our clients. We pay a lot of money for a lot of services, right? but that leverage <laughs> is huge. Uh, huge when it comes to making sure that your clients are protected. Yeah, I I um gonna call the guy, and he had said that he'd gone from three million to fifteen million when he decided to third party everything, but his core competency. He third partied it all. He was trying to, yeah. you know, he did, he's in a drop shipping kind of business. I wouldn't say drop shipping per se, but let's say a component of it is semi drop shipping, and he was trying to for the shipping rates would fluctuate and all this currency stuff. And he just third-partied it. He was like, look, I'm going to hire you for it. And I need you to give me a flat rate for these things. And, and so they did it. And both of them have a profitable business now. He probably pays a little bit more, but he yeah. has predictability in his business and where he knows there where it's going to be and that reliability. And he also is now getting specialized performance. So this might be a good time for listeners to think about OPR, OPC, OPS, other people's money, other people's customers other people's resources. And so what you're really yeah. saying is that for exchanging a few dollars, you're getting to leverage other people's resources where, like you said, you don't have to train the staff. You don't have to go do all that training and do it in-house. A lot of business owners, we have to wear so many hats. What would you say are the first things to outsource or delegate? First, again, someone that's starting up and struggling. Let's say they land a big contract. They've got a little bit of extra cash. Where do you recommend that they reinvest it? It's a very general question, but it is. It's maybe too general because I work in the IT industry. The, the the core competencies of your staff would be more universal and uh, making sure that the people that you have that you're working with, they too don't have to be rocket scientists. But I've found that loyalty, dedication are incredibly important. Paying them well is incredibly important. And I guess my staff could probably be paid better, but the saying, if you pay everybody what they're worth, right. then you don't, have any business can't, you don't have any staff, you don't have a business that can run because you're underwater. 
For us, the things that really became critical and still are to this day are data protection, Mm. making sure that you can replace staff, you can replace computers, you can replace servers, you can rebuild networks, you can replace equipment, but the cost to replace data is incredibly expensive. And and in Mm. some cases, it's impossible to replace data protection becomes really uh, in in for my business a key component of what we look for and we do it across a number of of approaches whether it's email security email or saas services software as a service for backing up uh, your cloud services uh, whether it's making sure that you have robust data protection for your servers those things are incredibly important uh, mm. Because we can, we can get around a lot of other things, but you lose that data and you're out of business. So are there any foundational tips for someone who's a do-it-yourselfer and they go, okay, I understand we're living in a more and more online world. What do I need to wear as or do as like a suit of armor to protect my business? I, an example for people that maybe don't even understand for one example was I actually, this is years ago now, Took me two years to get my Google AdWords account back. We got shut down and all that Google was telling me was we were circumventing the system. And I thought it had to do with split testing software that we were running to show different pages. And it took forever to get in touch with the rep and I had other things going. And when it took over two years to finally get it resolved, again, it wasn't necessarily every day, every week, but what we ended up finding out what happened was is an old staff email had been hacked and someone had installed some sort of malware virus and so our domain was compromised, so to speak. And we didn't notice yeah. anything. Our page speed was fine. Everything was fine. But someone had been had done this and Google knew that it was a threat because people that load our pages were, right? Were, so can you give some examples? What are the fundamental pillars that you think that should be taken into consideration? Overall security, making sure that your data is protected and recoverable, making sure that if say your your case of the do it yourselfer, not skimping on what you're going to do to protect yourself, and quite honestly, I'd say that the do it yourselfer in the IT world is like the attorney being his own attorney, or right. the doctor surgeon being his own surgeon. It's really not a good idea. There's not very many people that can really do that. Getting people that are qualified and have an expertise in assisting you and guiding you. And maybe you don't choose everything in their arsenal, but you choose the things that are necessary to protect your business. Because after all, it is your business. Right. I'm not, right, right. I'm here to protect my business, but I'm also protecting other clients' businesses. The phrase that's quite often used is, we eat our own dog food. The services that we use to protect Dantec services are the services, a lot of the services that we use to protect our clients. And can you and, can you give an idea of, for example, uh, I'll talk like for pa- passwords is a really easy one to talk about where right now, sure. if somebody has a password and it's numbers only and it's 11 characters, it'll be cracked instantly if someone tries, right? And even if they have lowercase letters and numbers, it's 20 hours, I think. And if it's upper lowercase numbers and letters and it's 10 characters, it'll be four weeks for AI to crack it. And so you really need numbers, upper and lowercase letters and symbols, because even if you have that and it's only nine characters long, it's only going to take two weeks for a software program to crack it at least 
if you have 10, it's five years. This is just an example that unless you are doing numbers, letters, uppercase, lowercase, and symbols, and you've got at least a 10 character password, you are just, you're just, you're just hanging out with a wallet hanging out of your pocket, hoping no one in the neighborhood is going to try to snatch it. Today, the rule of thumb is greater than 16 characters. Right. That, that gives you, that gives you a, um, a good period of time uh, where if you're okay. doing 16 characters with a mixed set, that you're, you're pretty well protected from the password point of view. Uh, but when it comes to that, the one of the most important tools that a, a user can have is a good password manager. Right. And be very cautious and selective about the type of password manager that you use. Right. And there, there are now password managers that incorporate multi-factor authentication into them. So I just, I go to a site and it'll auto log me in and pass through the key for the uh, multi-factor authentication, which is a ro rotating number. And that's super, super important nowadays. Uh, the, the days of post-it notes with your password stuck to your monitor um, <laughs> should have been long gone, but right. unfortunately people still do it. Uh, invest the time and the energy to learn how to use a good password manager. And uh, if somebody wants to know what I recommend, submit an, uh, right. Reach out. Get associated with us at dantechservices.com to our right. newsletters, our tech tips. We've got some really good, powerful information that goes out that isn't all tech talk. Right. So we know passwords is one. What would be, like I said, the pillars, like passwords for all the tools you use, email. What are some other kind of buckets of, of areas of interest, we'll call it? The buckets of interest are passwords, your network security, encryption of your data, both at rest and in transit, the you're protecting your data, protecting your email accounts. Uh, uh, nowadays, say with Office 365, you have this mix of not only email and calendars, but also OneDrive, SharePoint, Teams, all of this data that is essentially part of your account, and maybe even more depending on the other things that you can include into Office 365 with other modules. And you want to make sure that at least that the core components of data are being backed up. And that's the SaaS, the software as a service backup solutions that are available. Those are incredibly important for protecting that data because that generally lives in the cloud and your local backup solution is probably not going to grab all that data. Yeah. For a lot of people don't realize that the cloud just means someone else's computer, just as a tip. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Everyone's like, big it lives amorphous. in the cloud. No, it lives on someone else's computer. That's what that means. Yeah. <laughs> a big amorphous blob out there someplace, whether it's with AWS, Microsoft, Google, any number of other hosting providers, they're, they're out there. A lot of data. So, so what are some of the habits, I guess, that some of your most successful clients have? Let's see. Things that actually, things that work well with us as their service provider are making sure that their computers are on so that we can provide patches and updates after hours. Those are really valuable points because really the number one, still the number one ingress point into a computer is a computer that is not well patched. If you're not, 
And it doesn't matter whether it's Microsoft Windows, a Mac OS, a Linux box, it just it does not matter whether it's an Android phone or a, an iOS really? phone. It does not matter if they're not patched and kept patched, you are opening the door for... And what does that mean to keep it patched? Does that just mean downloading the most recent update? Keeping the, keeping the updates, yes. In, in most cases, that's, that's what it means. <clears throat> but then not only is your operating system, should, should that be patched and maintained, you also want to make sure that those third-party applications that you use that could be anywhere from an add-on browser, say like Firefox or Chrome, or another application that that you use to do your day-to-day -day work, make sure those are kept current too. Mm -hmm. uh, there's there's a ton of information out there have vulnerabilities. And you can take one of your programs and, and probably look them up in CERT, C-E-R-T, and uh, find out what kind of vulnerabilities that they have. And is the current version that you're using, is it vulnerable? Uh, or do you really simply want to get rid of it and find something else? There's, yeah, okay. If you get something like one of these antivirus tools, is that really all you need? Good passwords, antivirus tool, and back up your data? You know, it used to be that if you had antivirus, you were reasonably well protected, but still antivirus is the last gasp, last stop, hope and pray solution to protecting yourself. I've always believed in multiple layers of protection, which means that you have a good, robust, especially for a business, a good, robust commercial grade firewall that protects your network infrastructure, that you're using good, solid wireless keys and the proper protocols there, that you're not doing stupid things like going and sitting down in a Starbucks and dialing into their wireless network without using some kind of other, say, personal VPN product to mm. get you through there without having everything that you're doing being sniffed out. Mm. So use a There's personal VPN on public Wi-Fi. Highly recommended or better yet, Use the hotspot on your smartphone if you've got if you've got a hotspot there, or get a hotspot if you're using Verizon or AT and T or whomever. Most a local ISP, most of them have little hotspot devices that are great for use. They cost a little bit of money, but they will give you much better isolation than than say connecting into a hotel. A wireless network that in quite in a lot of cases can be pretty open. So what do you think? Sorry, I'm giving you like rapid fire questions now. What do you think? Let's say there's a business owner and they have an external hard drive and Google Drive and iCloud, and that's what they back up to. Is that adequate for a small, typical small business? It's better than nothing. You're being so nice. The well, it, it is. It's better than nothing. <laughs> the better systems are the ones that provide for versioning so that if I, oh, say I lose some data or I have some corruption going on that I didn't recognize for a few days, I can go back a week, 10 days, two months mm. and go and pull that data again. Those things can be very important. So um, having a timeline I, of backups. So it's not just yes. one. Yeah. So for the, again, those that are maybe not as savvy to this, it doesn't mean that you just 
you have a drive and you back it up and re-erase and re-download, but that right, actually right. you can snip through the timeline and you can, you basically have a snapshot of all the backups you've done over a period of time. So if a few of those are bad or corrupted, you can go before that and maybe even through a few. If there's files that you need from one of the corrupted versions, you can go grab those files, but then quarantine that and then go back to a backup that you know is good and you, you've got it all. Is that fair? Is that yeah, that's pretty fair. Services like OneDrive, and I'm pretty sure Google Drive is very similar, is that uh, you can go into OneDrive and find a file and then go to version history and go back through the history of that file right. and the changes and then find the one that you're looking for. Right. Uh, it comes in very handy, very valuable. So, so uh, ransomware is... One of those areas where if your backups are, say, attached to your network and it's a kind of an open share, if ransomware gets on your network, your backup could be corrupted. And if you don't have good versioning that is protected and not subject to being overwritten, then you're in serious trouble of, did I say that right? I think you did. It, Let's yeah. tell people, what is ransomware? Ransomware is where the attackers run get you to run code on your computer and it's usually injected um, most often through an email through business email compromise or something similar a bad email and you click it and that's why we own the domain protecttheclick.com by the way mm. uh, because all it takes is one click of a mouse to shut down an organization mm. a complete organization that has happened. It's happened before. It'll happen again. So ransomware gets on a computer and it goes through and finds all the files that are of a certain type, like Word documents, Excel spreadsheets, or other certain types of documents that are user-related, but not operating system-related. Your operating system is generally just fine, although it may have malware now embedded in it, but the operating system will run, but all your documents are locked up and encrypted. And in order to get them unencrypted, you need to have the key to decrypt them, or you need to be able to have a robust backup that will allow mm. you to retrieve a near enough in time backup so that you don't lose all of your work. Right. Um, so ransomware is someone uh, and you said with a single click, actually, there was even, there's no click. There was a major update yes. I saw. Citizen, what is it called? Citizens, they, they're great. They're Canadian. I follow them because Citizen, I want to, Citizen Lab. They're out of Toronto. They're with the University of Toronto. They're constantly trying to update and just public, a public service thing by the university. Yeah. And they just released a huge update recently that everyone needs to update their Apple devices as soon as possible. This is just like a week ago because there was a no-click loophole in Apple services. And so this means that you don't even need to click it, people. They can just send you something. And if you look at it, your phone, your MacBook, it's all compromised. And now those people can have access to your computer. They can access your keyboard. They can search your computer for password files, for credit card files. All that stuff is now public domain for that for that nefarious actor. Yeah. And people that think that they're that they don't have anything on their computers of value, I right. got news for you. You really do. 
But when it comes to another level of protection that is really super powerful is good quality DNS filtering. And here I will plug uh, Cisco Umbrella. What used hmm. to be OpenDNS is now Cisco Umbrella. And OpenDNS.com, I think, is still there. And they have some packages that are available for families and single users and such. Mm. And you, if all you turn on are the security services that protect your computer, it'll keep you from inadvertently clicking on a link that would take you to a bad website. And it'll shuttle you off into someplace else like um, a blog page right. instead of that website. Right. And what that download, that payload would be that would uh, cause problems. Uh, and Cisco Umbrella, they, they have a phenomenal search engine out there. there. There are also other really good DNS filtering services out there. Don't just rely on what I'm saying. Do right. your research. Find the one that's comfortable for you. But that is some of the best protection that you can get at a low cost to protect your family, your mm. business, yourself, yeah, okay. because you don't want to go to that porn site. You don't want to go to that gambling site. You don't want to go this here, there, wherever. It it doesn't matter anymore. In fact, some of the worst sites are, are sites that are laden with a lot of advertise, advertisers because the, the companies that run these websites that have these advertisers there are generally buying a service from somebody else. Right. And you don't necessarily know who is providing that ad in that right. service. So again, so, for people that don't know, that means maybe I have a blog and I'm getting a million views a month. So I use a third party tool to show ads on my site. And that third party has the relationship with the advertisers, not me. And so there's there a ton go. of sites that people are unsuspecting of, and it's not all Google. It's not all Facebook. And then, and then there's people there, they just always find ways. They find ways to sniff things out, find loopholes. So I think this is really powerful, really impactful. And seeing as you just brought up that subject, that's actually another area where caution is better than having all the tools in the shed. Right. Browsers, you can get extensions for browsers. You can get all kinds of really neat, nifty things for your web browser. They'll do all kinds of fun stuff. Word to the wise or a word of caution. Take your pick. The fewer of those that you have in your web browsers, one, your web browsers yeah. are going to do run better. And two, you could be opening yourself up to right. some really bad actors out there, especially when it comes to things like search engine add-ons in browsers. Mm. Those are some of the most nefarious. They are constantly uh, a trouble spot and things that you don't want to use. But even the little things like maybe some kind of weather app add-on that you want for your web browser, yeah. it could be suspect. Yeah. Do your research. Yeah, just, because, so, just because it's there on the web doesn't mean it's good for you. So again, for people that are non-techie, this means that maybe somebody writes a program, that program does three, four, five things incredibly well, but they want it to be more useful. So they, they open up their API, it's called. And basically they let other people plug into that software and push-pull data back and forth. So then you've got like your browser, someone writes an extension and now you can do this and it adds a feature to that core software. But the problem is, like he's saying, is the more of these that you have, you don't know if these add-on softwares have flaws in them. And that's the issue. It's like having a party and you've got your core group of friends and you know they're going to behave and act right and you have your party. 
But then all of a sudden, one of your friends invites another friend and I bring all their other friends with them. And that's the tech version of what's happening here, right? When you have a browser, yeah. you've got something you trust it, perhaps it's, it's vetted, it's open source software. And then you, all these add-ons are like people that you didn't necessarily invite showing up to your party. And most of them are going to be cool, but some of them might bring some other people with them. And they're so far removed from you and so far out of the periphery, they're not in the spotlight that they're just going to get, they're just going to power drink everything, puke in the toilet, do whatever else. And they're just, they're just going to make a mess. Of things. Make a mess. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. So where do you so, think, oh, sorry, go, sorry. I, I was going to say that also includes your, whether it's a, an iPhone or an Android phone <laughs> and the, yeah. the apps that you put on there to be cautious. Don't take my word for it. Go look it up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of bad stuff out there where, especially in the Android world, I hate to pick on them, yeah. but, but uh, it's true because be less yeah. secure. Yeah. Android was really trying to, and to their credit, they were trying to make it more uh, user-friendly and palatable. And the Google platform was used, and I think they opened up the phone software. But the problem is that it also let these bad actors come yeah. forward. And for people that don't know, for a couple hundred bucks, you can get an account in the Google and the the Google, whatever, Play Store, whatever it's called, or the Apple App Store. And now you can publish your app there. And they do yeah. their best to try and vet it. But with millions of apps, they're not going to check them all. And so I can pay a couple hundred bucks. I can make an app that's going to track your grocery list. And then I embed some software in there that's going to monitor everything you do, especially any banking websites and passwords. And you don't yeah. even know. You don't even know. Yeah. And you just download so this. Apple, Apple does a better job of vetting. Um, but they're not immune. None of them are immune. Nobody. Right. And you're not immune. Right. Your computer's not immune. Nobody is immune. Yeah. All you can do is be as proactive as you can and take advantage of good services out there. Know that there are some really great sites for doing research like bleepingcomputer.com. Highly <laughs> recommend bleepingcomputer.com. They're one of the best sites out there when it comes to focus on security and having good, valid information, because mm. there are tons of other sites out there that are charlatans. Yep. They'll, they're going to tell you how to do things, and it's the wrong thing to do. But it really is important to know the source of where you're going for information. Yeah, I agree. A hundred percent, a thousand percent. Where do you think the future of this is going? If you were to try to fast forward things 10 years. Right now, holy yeah. cow, Daryl, with, with with AI, with artificial intelligence and ML machine learning, yep. now they've both been around for a while, Yep. but the knowledge bases that they are working on now, working from now are just so ridiculous. It is absolutely amazing what you can do with them, whether it's picture, image manipulation, video manipulation, music manipulation, uh, speech manipulation, the written word, HR departments, human resources, resource departments are really struggling to keep up with the flood of AI generated resumes mm. that are coming across. So I don't have, I can't even I can't even give you a guess right. of what's going to happen in um, the next 10, 15 years. I can give you an educated guess of what's going to happen maybe in the next year. And it's hold on, pay attention. And just because you don't think that you're really good at technology, and I hear this all the time, doesn't mean that you shouldn't be somewhat aware of what is going on. Mm. And you don't have to know it all. 
but watch for the keywords. Watch for the things that other people are looking for, looking at. Like I say, you don't have to be an expert, but you do need to pay attention. Right. Yeah, I think Especially it's if you're a business important. owner. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's a new, it's just one more thing business owners have to pay attention to because as we all learned during COVID, everybody realized, oh, I should need, I do and should have an online presence. And hybrid is the new normal, so to speak, online and offline. But now that opens up a whole new world. If you were concerned about employees pocketing some inventory in between or a couple of dollars out of the cash register, now your entire business is opened up to anybody on the planet with a laptop. It can be. Right. Yes, so that's really powerful. Dan, this has been yeah. such a great call. There's such, I've got a couple of pages of notes here. Um, I do want to be respectful of your time. Is there anything I haven't asked you that I should have asked you? Oh, we, that's a rabbit hole. <laughs> that is such a rabbit hole, Daryl. I, I, I think we've maybe given enough ideas to mm-hmm. your listeners, to your followers, to maybe just open up the mind a little bit and not be shocked about what you're going to see here in the future. Be wary, be cautious. That doesn't mean that you have to shut your business or tighten things up so that you can't do things, but it does mean that you need to have protections in place right. to do and the backups. best that you can. And back up, <laughs> that's a protection. All of those things. Everybody um, here needs to back up their data right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's a damn good idea, Daryl. That's a damn good idea. And then keep and then keep the backups going. And there are some really good services out there that are not expensive that you can use locally, uh, especially if you're doing a rotating disk type format. You know that they're a little more hassle, but still the benefit is huge. No, I th- I think we've covered a pretty broad swath of yeah. of territory yeah. in a general way. Yeah, I think we have. If people want to learn more, if they want to get it, reach out and get in touch, is dantechservices.com the best place for them to go? D-A-N-T-E-C-H services.com. We also own darkwebexposure.com, protecttheclick.com, computersundercontrol.com. We own a number of domains, but we did just this weekend, this last weekend, we rolled over to our new website that, that we've been working diligently on for the last uh, couple months. It's exciting times, and we'd love to have people just come in. At the bottom of most every page on our site is a place where you can sign up for the newsletters. And if that's all you do, maybe you'll get some information that will at least give you a laugh or give you a little bit of knowledge. Um, I've been a strong believer in that whatever training you provide to your employees is also something that they can take home and become a good steward of their own protection in every place else that they go, home, hotel, coffee shop, wherever. 100%, 100%. So check out dantechservices.com, darkwebexposure.com, and or protecttheclick.com. Go sign up for the newsletter. Keep aware, you know, uh, I always tell my daughter, life can be really fun and exciting or really painful and scary. And it just depends on how proactive you are. That's my personal opinion. And so I encourage everyone to consider stepping up their proactivity in terms of cybersecurity and just being, it's like they say, recently there was a movie Sound of Freedom that I saw that really impacted me. My dog was snatched from me when I was in Vietnam and eaten. Basically, it's like a human trafficking ring, but for dogs in Vietnam. 
And uh, so that movie really hit home for me in terms of people don't think it's going to happen to them until it does happen. And so a little bit of prevention goes a long way. They said that one of the things that these human traffickers anyways, and kid snatchers, what they look for is they look for a vulnerable father or an absent father in a family. And that's how they pick their victims. And so it's just like they say, bullies, if you look weak, they'll pick on you. So you don't necessarily need to be the best in the world at this stuff. Sometimes all you need to do is show a little bit of savviness and they'll go pick on someone that's weaker. And so a little bit might be the difference. So I highly encourage you once again, protecttheclick.com, dantechservices.com. Dan, thank you so much. It has been an honor and a pleasure. I really value coming and sharing with us, knowing you have your own list, your own newsletter, your own following, all that stuff. So thank you for coming and helping us all be a little bit safer when we browse online. Daryl, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so very much for this opportunity.